0: I didn't just wake up. We're doing this. We're happy. It's happening. <laughs> doing it again. Uh, doing it again. All right. Well, um, this is Mark's Madness. We read books. David, do you have anything that you would want to talk about this week before uh, we launch into the book? I don't. I don't think we we uh, have any
1: incredible insight into the inauguration. Um, you know, God, it's, no. It's yeah i mean like it's nice that trump's gone biden's not any better in America's still america they're not even moving the embassy out of jerusalem in uh or or a uh, um you know in in arabic um
0: in i mean they're, they're doing just showing nothing off. you're just showing than- off that you can say in arabic aren't you just showing off <laughs> just flexing on but- me to start the episode
1: <laughs> but um I mean they're 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 not doing anything about uh their big thing was kids in cages kids in cages kids in cages as if Obama wasn't putting kids in cages we're just talking about and separating them from parents we're just talking about Trump had for a temporary amount of time an especially grotesque um uh, method of intentionally separating the children from parents rather than just letting it happen organically from the concentration camp environment um and and that was even done before trump was out of office and all those kids in cages of course they're not doing anything about it they're they're explicitly not like everything everything they promised except maybe supposedly they're still gonna to to, um run for 15 dollar an hour minimum wage but there's already democrats in congress openly ready to sink it in spite of their uh, majority so that'll go about as well as as you know, uh, expanded Medicare went under Obama. Maybe there'll be, like, a compromise and they make it eight bucks an hour with a Heritage Foundation plan attached <laughs> to, to, you know, fucking... <laughs> I mean, shit, they got Prop 22 out there, so people like Instacart can yeah. just fire any employees that try to unionize.
0: All. Um, any, not any. All. All, all employees that try to unionize. Yes. That was... Yes.
1: Good work, yeah, Instacart. Oh boy. Great. Great look. Good um, look. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I don't I, – I mean, there's not there's not much difference. I will say the one in, in improvement, and I was surprised because he was being pretty open about not changing the policy against Iran and obviously mm-hmm. all of the other American imperialist projects, especially against like China and Venezuela, he's going to keep turning up the heat just like Trump. And they're not going to come to peace or good relations or moral stance against Iran, but there was at least like, you know, the nuclear agreement that, that – America tore up and then was like, oh, why is Iran yeah. not upholding their, their side of the bargain like after a year after America <laughs> tore it up and threw it in the air? Um, but supposedly there's actually going to be an approach towards that. Um, same thing with the uh, the slightly warmed relations with Cuba. So again, I mean, overall, the relationship with Cuba, like Cuba will still be under a brutal blockade. You know, Iran will still be under brutal sanctions, maybe a few less, but still under pretty brutal sanctions. Uh, they're still going to you know, have troops in Syria and they're still going to be the same. You know, they're still going to be attacking Venezuela. They're still going to be attacking Nicaragua. They're still going to be going after Bolivia. Um, they're still going to be <laughs> going really hard after China. Um, you know, the whole time Trump was in office, they couldn't shut up about Russia. You know, that's going to happen. But at the very least, they've, the, the, the heats turned down a touch against Cuba and Iran, which is, the only good things that that came out of the Obama presidency, really, along with all the bad shit. And that's that's exactly what this is going to be like. It's gonna be hordes of horrible, horrible things. And then a couple nice things. And but and they're not gonna be that great. But I mean, again, when we talk about, there's no difference in, in Democrats and Republicans because the narrative is that they're widely different. People focus on they're widely different and, you know, the thousands of lives that are affected by the difference in Democrats and Republicans pale in comparison to the millions of lives affected by the fact that they're the same. You know, if you're 99% the same, yeah, it's dishonest to say you're hundred percent the same. But if you're going against the narrative that, that you're completely different, <laughs> it's not so dishonest to go, Hey, you're 99% yeah. the same. That's, Basically a hundred. It's a rounding error, uh, but but the rounding <laughs> error stuff. There's a couple things, not as many as even people think, or what people seem to think were promised or whatever. But a couple things are better. Other than that, yeah, I mean it. Other
0: it's business than that, as usual, a, we're not
1: full of breaking it's been a news. day.
0: We have no idea what's going to yeah. happen, and we're going to we'll yeah. analyze as stuff comes in. We'll we'll try and, and analyze it if it's important if it's important.
1: And all the pundit liberals and and their their. You know, um, upper, you know, class compatriots that are just going to be like, "Oh my God, we get to go back to brunch now." Are like openly talking, like they're openly sexualizing politicians and lionizing politicians. They're openly talking about fantasizing. They're making them cartoon characters and superheroes and fictional characters. They just plug like whatever Mad Lib. Nonsense into they're they're all <laughs> over that insufferable bullshit already, and they're they're telling you to let people enjoy things like no one enjoys dying. I'm sorry, shut the yeah. fuck up.
0: A lot of a lot of people um, have done that because of that whole pandemic thing. <laughs> yeah, still doing that. What if we we're passing like every oh, big number oh, under the sun?
1: That was the other thing too. Yeah, I was going to say there's always one thing that Democrats do where they take everything Republicans do and make it way worse when they get a presidency, right? Like Clinton's was. The ending welfare as we know it, right? Obama was uh, the – I don't know if you want to count the drones because he also – it was less total war um, or if you want to look at at the deportations. But it was kind of scaling up um, Bush's uh, uh, war on terror shit but doing it in a more subtle way. Right. Uh, Biden seems to be that it's all talking about. And of course, the, the reason Trump lost the election is, is all the failure to handle COVID-19, although that was, of course, systemic. Um, and Biden's big measure is... Some companies get some contracts for some sponsorship bullshit to carry out some jobs. They're not giving people relief. They're not shutting stuff down. But also, and here's his, his, his already got, got some level of one worse thing, and this may prove out to be the thing. There may be something else down the road that, that will get kicked in the teeth with. But he's got a promise to open schools within 100 days, which he was saying at, like right after he was elected to. So that's not breaking news, but things are getting worse. Yeah. And he's selling and he's he talked about listen to science, listen to science. And the only thing he's done other than make some contracts with some some
0: corporations, now, hold on. there's a mask mandate on federal property. I'm sure okay. everyone will honor that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like the federal prison thing, right? We're like
1: 90 percent. 5% of prisons are state but if yeah. you start to close down federal prisons like well that's a good step that's not a bad thing but it's not yeah. consequential or like the, the, the federal um, the uh, private student loan thing you know it's yeah. like if you, <laughs> if you use these words that are these big generic issues but then you, you whittle it down to something small and of course when it's federal versus state it, it makes it sound like well that's the thing that's within my power like you're the fucking president everything's within your power, your power. um, but <laughs> if there's anything we learned the last four years it's you can
0: kind of do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. Uh but so this this open schools within a hundred days promise, which means, again, as power of the president, like he can't go, oh, schools are state or city ordinance. Like if this if you could only do federal, he wouldn't be able to say this about schools. It would only yeah. be federal schools, which would be a tiny fraction. But again, it's all schools. But he's pushing this this executive order for all schools to be open within a hundred days.
0: That doesn't help a pandemic end. And they're all What the fuck is they're that? all hedging it like well they're all hedging it like, well, it's it's not a gear it's not a force, it's just a a goal that they're setting to rush towards, and it's like, yeah, I don't get, yeah. Well, I don't first get off, why when you r- set that goal, people try to achieve that goal. <laughs> like, also, why like, is that? How does that help handle the pandemic? Like, you think within a hundred days you're going to be able to make like meaningful progress against what's been done over the last year. Like no, you, you, you're not going to do that yet. You have like so many steps to hit. Why would you make that a focus? You you just gained a shit ton of formal power that you could threaten
1: people with if you wanted over the idea that you're the expert, that's going to solve this thing. And you're going, I'm not forcing people to take these steps, I said. I just recommended them. Well, <laughs> between your sudden newfound power and your supposed expertise and the fact that, that you know, you know how greedy I mean, anyone in power is greedy as shit and doesn't want to deal with helping the public survive. That's in their way. They just want to churn out profits and, and they're motivated to, to take any any little inkling, any little trinket. Uh, shiny object they can throw in their treasure trove of see everything's fine right and they're going to stock up on that shit they're going to grab at anything you hang down there so yeah i mean you're recommending or you're setting a goal of course that's that
0: that means the schools will be open doesn't matter you how know, school it is i just did i just did some math a hundred days from now aren't all schools closing for the summer anyway <laughs> probably hold on am i it's January, isn't it it's, yeah, it, no, so it's, it's January, January 21st. That would be April. It's the end of January. Days. It's yeah, the end of May. January. It'd be mid-May when all schools are going, like, every yeah. school goes into summer vacation anyway. What the fuck? <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> I can't be the first one that noticed this, <laughs> but I, I I've been a child before. <laughs> Are we, are, is joe biden hold on a second did joe biden just say all kids are going to school in the summer like what is this madness what are you doing here joe oh no that's okay uh, i'm sorry i'm sure there's some underlying thing but see, that is but there
1: won't there won't be any liberal fantasies where they make up these celebrity <laughs> cartoon characters where it's joe biden lena rock band going school's in for summer and that's the only one that's appropriate <laughs>
0: That's so good. I didn't even think of that. Wow. Okay. Well, now that we have had no thoughts on the inauguration and then had 10 minutes of thoughts on the inauguration, let's read a book. Let's read a Starting book. Starting on page 300, end of page 328. This was the plan of both Stevens and Sumner, and constitutional lawyers have pronounced it reasonable. With some reluctance, the nation refused to do this while the South and its friends howled in opposition. It was one... It was one would have thought an unhallowed attempt to rock the foundations of the universe and overthrow the kingdom of almighty God. The refusal of the nation was chiefly because the new industry, the money making financiers and organizers of a vast economic empire, hesitated at a government guardianship of labor and control of industry on a scale that might embarrass future freedom of exploitation. okay and certainly would increase present <laughs> taxation i don't, i just love embarrassed freedom of exploitation that dang it, yeah dang it, i know i know
1: this is du Bois's words and du Bois is a materialist who wants to end exploitation so this is not necessarily like the baddies saying the quiet part out loud but i i, I like the accurate assessment right when you talk about yeah, america freedom. freedom of exploitation <laughs> it's, it's what it is yeah
0: yeah Many advocates of abolition democracy were also doubtful. They were still under the freedom cry of the 18th century and obsessed with the American assumption of the 19th. They were still, on the whole, afraid of the full logic of democracy and the ability of the state to secure servants as honest and efficient as private industry. Only their most courageous leaders dared all. The easiest way out, then, was to prolong the military rule already established as a necessity of war. This cheapest and easiest... But it was a, of necess- necessity temporary. It must be a step towards civil rule, and it must inaugurate civil rule. The law of March 2nd, 1827 was enacted. It 1867. Provided
1: for Negro- hmm? You
0: said 1827. That would have Did I? set us back 40 years. Yeah. March 20, 1867. <laughs> all right. All right. Was enacted. It provided the neg- It provided for Negro suffrage. What else would it have provided for? If it had confined the vote to whites, not only would the anti-Negro legislation be confirmed, but the gift of additional political power to the South to be used against Northern industry and against democracy would be outright and irrevocable. Johnson vetoed the bill, and when it was passed over his veto, had no recourse to executive action which would nullify it. Eventually, it was this that led to the attempt to impeach him. Let us now, more in detail, study the facts of this development. The second session of the 39th Congress assembled in December eighteen sixty-six with a distinct mandate from the people. Yeah, we remember that huge landslide victory that the uh, yeah. Republicans won in that. That I mean, that would be a huge mandate at that point. That I mean, good golly, if you call it, the, they're calling this a mandate with with a fifty-fifty split. I imagine this is an actual mandate here. Um, it was like ninety ten. Yeah, I can't it was remember bad. the exact amount, but it was absurd. It was bad. This mandate called for the reorganization of the southern states on the basis of the 14th Amendment and the de- definite def, def, definiteness definiteness. Def- that's that's not a real word. Yeah. Of this <laughs> and the definiteness of this mandate, the South had only itself and Andrew Johnson to blame. From 1864 to 1868, by a succession of elections with wide publicity on both sides and usually full discussion, national public opinion had come to these decisions by a large majority. One, the emancipated slave must be protected because he had helped save the union which slavery had disrupted. Two, the first protection for the slave was a legal status of freedom. This the South opposed in the 15 former slave states, including the border states. Four, flatly refused to accept the 13th Amendment. 3 others accepted but only on condition that freedom should not imply full civil and political rights. 8 states accepted the 13th amendment but 5 of these had 5 of these and the 3 which accepted on condition acted under pressure from Johnson and their action expressed the opinion of a minority of the former voting population and for this reason these states feared to refer their action to popular approval. 3 a legal status of freedom without actual civil rights would mean almost nothing. The answer of the South to a proposal of civil rights was the Black Codes, which established a new status of slavery with a modified slave trade. Four, the, Freedoms, the Freedmen's Bureau and the Civil Rights Bill represented as an attempt at federal intervention to enforce freedom by freedom law. The South bitterly opposed those attempts, these attempts on the part of the national government and declared with Johnson that such attempts were unconstitutional. To set this point at rest, the 14th Amendment was proposed, which was made Negro citizens, guaranteed them civil rights by national law and political rights if they were counted as a basis of representation in Congress. The South promptly rejected this overture unanimously, except in Tennessee. Hey, Tennessee. And there, the majority of white voters had to be disenfranchised before the acceptance was carried through. <laughs> you just lost your hey, Tennessee. <laughs> All right, Tennessee. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. At least you're equal opportunity. At least your equal opportunity <laughs> in oppressing everybody. That's right. Good job. We- we disenfranchise everyone here. We didn't this just is, disenfranchise black people, we disenfranchised everybody. <laughs> we believe fully
1: in the the enlightened despots bring bring on Napoleon.
0: <laughs> Screw your demos. <laughs> We're all going for it.
1: That's uh, right. Take but it away, dude. But behind all this and explaining this interest in the Negro on part of most northerners was a growing conviction that arrogance that, that an arrogant South was returning to Congress with increased political power, that its leaders were essentially the same men who had disrupted the Union and precipitated uh, precip- – oh, it is precipitated, not participated – and precipitated a costly and bloody war, that there was no reason to suppose that these men had changed their convictions in the slightest or surrendered for a moment their determination to dominate the country and fight monopoly in industry with monopoly in agriculture. In the face of their fatal failure, the Southerners were demanding increased political power. We talked about this before. Like, we got our asses kicked. Give us more power. Exactly. (laughs) And that political power could and in all probability would be used for everything disadvantageous disadvantageous to the majority of the nation. It would be used against the spread of democratic ideals. It would be used for further increasing the political power of the South. It would be used against industry, property, and capital. Okay, that's not selling it. Come on now. (laughs) As buttressed (laughs) by the tariff, the national banks, and the public debt. It was in vain that before, during, and since the war, the North had offered to compromise with this unyielding bloc. There was only one defense against the power of the South, and while that was revolutionary and hitherto undreamed of, it was the only way, and it could not be stopped by the stubbornness of of one narrow-minded man. That was Negro suffrage. Senator Sherman of Ohio said March eleventh eighteen sixty seven, A year ago, I was not in favor of extending enforced negro suffrage upon the southern states, but the rejection of the fourteenth amendment led him to give his support. There was evidently an understanding among the Republican senators and representatives that if the legislatures of the Southern states organized under Johnson's scheme of Reconstruction accepted the Fourteenth Amendment and thus would say that either they would allow the Negro to vote, or in case they did not allow him, would forego representation based upon his numbers, then these states would be recognized and admitted to the Congress. This was more than fair to the South. Charles Sumner, to be sure, would not consent to it, and Stevens did not like it. But the industrial north was willing to throw the Negro over on these terms. However, with the exception of Tennessee, the southern states rejected the 14th Amendment almost unanimously and insisted upon the Black Codes and accompanied for their demand by widespread violence. So, you know, sort of, again, <laughs> we know the South Let's do won a quite again. a wide of demands here. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We know the South won quite a bit of demands here, but the shitty, shitty, shitty northern politicians that gave this compromise 14th Amendment that was like, okay, well, you don't have to give black people the right to vote, but you only get the representatives for the white voters. You lose your three-fifths. You don't gain your five-fifths, right, or yeah. whatever, and they rejected that. They were killed by their own hubris, essentially. Yeah, um,
0: it's, it's – you, you're not going to hardline – you lost the right to hardline. Again, it's yeah. like we talked about. You, you forget who just lost the war.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, not a, it's not a referendum against hardlining in general. It's a referendum against hardlining uh, against a, a burgeoning force. But when you're hardlining to be the burgeoning force, I mean, it's a referendum for it, right? Stevens and Subner stayed on their game. They didn't back down. They didn't get mm-hmm. everyone in agreement that this 14th Amendment has to pass and focus people around – you know, the idea of just stripping the, the representative power. They were focused on getting the suffrage. And because of that, when the 14th Amendment was rejected by the South and the hubris did show up, there was still a goal of, okay, well, give them the vote to be fought for. So it's an endorsement of um, stubbornness um, when you're fighting for a burgeoning movement when you're fighting for something that's gaining popularity that's bringing something new into the world but obviously it's a, a reprimand referendum against you know holding your stubbornness when you're losing power hold dying dying over the hit the uh, uh i can't think of the, the analogy but dying dying, dying on the, the hill universe. dying on the hill there you go yeah um, meantime in minor measures the sentiment for negro suffrage was seen to be crystallizing colorado had sought admission in 1866 and had less than 100 negroes sumner opposed the application because of the small population and chiefly because the suffrage was confined to white males he spoke march 12th and 13th april 17th 19th and 24 on the subject he spoke five times Just keep it going, Chuck. The bill passed. The Senate, despite Sumner and the House, the attempt to strike out the word white was a qualification for voters, was defeated. The president vetoed the bill on account of the insufficient population. Next session, Sumner's amendment prevailed, but the president again vetoed the bill. Sumner made at the close of the session an unsuccessful attempt to make the same condition in the bill to admit Nebraska but failed. The president did not sign that bill. At the next session, the bill with Negro suffrage was passed over the president's veto. Sumner opposed the admission of Tennessee because Negroes were denied the right to vote. He failed to influence the public sentiment, but made his opponents apologetic. Sumner wrote to F.W. Byrd, January 10, 1867. I think you will be satisfied with the result on Nebraska and Colorado. The declaration that there should be no exclusion from the elective franchise on account of color is not in the form which I preferred, but you have but you have the declaration, which in my mind is a great gain. Is it not? And thus ends a long contest where at first I was alone. Mr. Stewart of Nevada, who is sitting near me, says that it cannot be said now that the Republican Party is not committed to Negro suffrage. You have one, the district bill, two, the Nebraska bill, three, the Colorado bill, and four, the territorial bill passed today. What the fuck is the territorial bill?
0: I'm sure the same thing, but for the people that live in the territories. Just oh, Northwestern
1: territories type thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. West- or the
0: territories or everything I, that is I keep unincorporated. We're, we're
1: we're in westward expansion days. Okay. Yeah,
0: we're still in very westward expansion days.
1: Yes. Okay. All right. Declaring that in the territories there should be no exclusion from the suffrage on account of color. And again, it's not like I don't know we're in westward expansion days. It's just like it, we're talking about the west and the rail lines and stuff like that. But it just doesn't click in your head. Yeah. Until you see something like that. Yeah. So.
0: In February 1867, from the Committee of 15, Stevens presented the leading Reconstruction measure. This measure declared that life and property were not safe in the former Confederate states and that good order had to be enforced until loyal governments could be legally established. It divided the Confederate states into five military divisions. One, Virginia. Two, North and South Carolina. Three, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. Four, Mississippi, Arkansas. Five, Louisiana, and Texas. A general with sufficient forces was to be assigned to each of these districts. These generals might use the United States civil courts to enforce the laws, but if these were not effective, they might govern through military commissions. The sentences of commissions might be must be approved by the commanding officer. United States courts should issue no writs of habeas corpus against the acts of these commissions. Ooh.
1: I have a Ooh. feeling Virginia probably had its own military division because it was close to D.C.,
0: Oh, yeah. So I was trying oh, to think,
1: like, yeah. why are these so spread well, out other than Virginia? And then I
0: was like, well, okay, geography. You yeah, know, you also got to think at the time Virginia was probably one of the most populous. I mean, Virginia was huge and was a very populous area back, especially back to the Revolution and everything else. There's a reason, yeah, everyone came. All the planters started in Virginia. Yeah, um, that's true. This bill established martial law. I feel like you got to say it like that every time. After the president had (laughs) declared the war was ended, it put the appointing of the district military masters in the hands of the general army instead of the president and suspended the writ of habeas corpus. Congress hesitated at these thoroughgoing terms. Blaine suggested an amendment which would provide a way of escape from martial rule by promising admission when a state adopted the 14th Amendment and provided for Negro suffrage. Stevens refused to accept this, and the bill was passed February 13th. there we go. Nice. Nice. Daddy, daddy. No concessions, and push it through. The Senate began to consider the bill February 15th and stayed in session until 3 o'clock in the morning. Robert had to party... Robert had... Hat was bah, 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 bah. resort was had to a party caucus. The Republican senators meeting at eleven a.m. February sixteenth. Sherman, Sumner, Fesserton, and four other members were put on a subcommittee to revise the House bill and remained in session a greater part of the afternoon. The bill was changed so as to restore the appointment of the heads of the military districts and adopt the Blaine Amendment. The House had already passed Elliott's bill admitting Louisiana with Negro suffrage, and Sumner wished that taken as a model. Sumner asked for Negro suffrage, but only one of his committee supported him. At 5 p.m., the caucus met, and Sumner renewed his proposition, excluding discrimination as to race and color for the basis of suffrage. It was carried into the caucus 15 to 13 or 14. <laughs> we're, not, we're not sure. That Someone is, didn't vote. Some, some about there. Yeah, whatever. The, 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 the Senate is notorious for not keeping good records on things. Um, This action committed the Republicans to the requirement of suffrage irrespective of race or color in the election of delegates to the Reconstruction conventions and as the basis of suffrage for the constitutions of the rebel states. Senator Wilson of Massachusetts said that then and there in that small room in that caucus was decided the greatest pending question of the North American continent. It was accepted by the caucus. Although the Fessenden was greatly displeased, he left the caucus and sought to defeat it by personal appeals. This led to an acrimonious debate in Congress. Congress, February 19th, but the bill passed after a night session at 622 Sunday morning, February 17th. Congress had a difficult time passing the reconstruction, this reconstruction bill. The house rejected the Senate bill and time was flying. Finally, agreement was reached February 20th and Congress expired by limitation on February on March 4th. The essential parts of the bill on Negro suffrage remained, bu- bu- bu, the president by wait, yeah remains. period paragraph. i just needed to take a breath period and th- <sighs> yes <laughs> the president by the- taking the full time allowed in the law by re- in returning his veto would leave only two days for congress to pass the bill over his veto johnson and seward immediately saw this and the veto was held up to the last moment reaching the house on the afternoon of march 2nd i i hate how much our ability to like do things is dictated by oh well they have to go on break on a certain day well Gotta again take a break. You know, we talk about
1: We talk about checks and balances, checks and balances, checks and balances, but that's just to make sure if anybody gets some little hair in their ass to actually be democratic and actually serve the people that, you know, we we could put a stop to that. We could just check and balance, right? You know, you may get it past Congress. But there's gonna be a president there to veto. You may get it through as a law, but there'll be there'll be a Supreme Court to check it back. And in the meantime, that whole getting through Congress, getting through the president, it's got all these formalities and these set dates and the stuff they agree on, like military budgets, that's gonna happen, right? Yeah. But stuff like this, you know, it could be it could be shut down. I mean, you could see an actual difference of power here. That was something, speaking of this week, you did not stop hearing, oh, look at again the, the arrogance of, of people oh look at America with this beautiful you know peaceful transfer of power and I'm sorry if there's a peaceful transfer of power that's a good sign there's no actual transfer of power all right I mean,
0: that's <laughs> not how power works it also wasn't a peaceful transfer of power we had that whole th- we had January six we had
1: yeah and, I mean even after that like like Trump threw threw a little toddler fit and skidded
0: out of town yeah like no The president said that the bill placed the people of 10 states under the complete domination of military rulers. Well, yeah, that's the goal. These states had made the provisions for the preservation of order, yet it was proposed to put them under military law. The Negroes have not yet asked for the privilege of voting. Um, sir, sir, good, sir. Do you not remember when you met with Frederick Frederick Douglass a couple weeks ago? (laughs) Sir. Um, And the vast majority of them have no idea what it means. Oh, okay. Well, that's not the most condescending sentence of all time. Cool. We carried on a four years war to punish the crime of defying a constitution. If we now ourselves defy the constitution, we prove that they were in fact fighting for Negro liberty. Oh, there's a what, galaxy. What brain is take. the problem of that? Like, this is, I love
1: that. I mean, you know, maybe. OK, so there were certain people in the north. I mean, we know originally like Lincoln's prerogative and stuff was, you know, don't violate the Constitution. Stay together as a people. So I'm not saying that that it's not there's not some accuracy there for the, the grand, you know, white supremacist face of what the north was before the freedmen took over and actually won the war. But the force that won the war was fighting for Negro liberty, and what is wrong with fighting for Negro liberty? Why would we be so obsessed at, at the Constitution? You know, I mean, this is what Du Bois talked about earlier in the chapter: the religion of the Constitution. That's why we were able to talk about, you know, abracadabra forever and ever, ever and ever, right? Um, yeah. it, it, it's because the religion of the Constitution. Like, what is wrong with fighting for Negro liberty over the free Constitution?
0: Stevens demanded immediate consideration of the veto, but allowed short statements from Democratic members who declared this bill a death knell of Republican liberty. Oh, I've just so much st- stuff changes, but it all stays the same. Uh, one opponent declared that the bill should not pass unless he was overpowered from physical exhaustion or restrained by the rules of the House. I would love if Thaddeus Stevens just came over and just, rest- just beat him down. <laughs> just beat him down. Stevens in just- closing the debate. It's I going to say, isn't, isn't there some Vengeance Cain to in here, or was that Sumner? No, it's coming, and it's against Sumner. Stevens, in the closing of the debate, said that he had listened to the gentleman because he appreciated the melancholy feelings with which they are approaching this funeral of the nation. But as he desired desired the passage of the bill, he asked Mr. Blaine to move a suspension of the rules. Mr. Blaine accordingly made the motion, and after an ineffectual attempt at filibustering... (laughs) I love the concept of an ineffectual filibuster, like your whole job is just to talk the whole time and you can't pull it off. The bill was passed over the veto by one vote of 135 yeas to 48 nays. Again, this is what happens when you have an overwhelming majority. Mm -hmm. The Senate speedily took similar action and the Reconstruction Bill became a law. And as finally passed, the bill set up five districts declaring that no adequate protection for life and property existed there. The President, instead of the General of the Army, was to assign an Army officer to each of these districts. I'm sure he'll do that promptly since he vetoed the bill in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, These commanders might rule by martial law, but sentence of death had to be approved by the President. To escape from this regime, there must be universal suffrage without regard to race or color, and the framing of a state constitution with a convention composed of delegates not disqualified by participation in rebellion. The Constitution so adopted must provide for universal suffrage, and this Constitution must be ratified by a majority of the voters. The Constitution must also be approved by Congress. The state could not be admitted until the 14th Amendment had been approved by three-fourths of the states of the United States. Thus, Congress avoided making the admission of the states conditional upon their individual acceptance of the 14th Amendment. Still, Andrew Johnson was not beaten. As commander in chief of the army, he could execute the reconstruction legislation and he could throw its interpretation into the courts with a good chance of favorable decision. Just as the faltering attempt of Congress to give the Negroes land was at last utterly nullified by Johnson's edict of restoration, so there was equal chance to frustrate Congress in restoring states' functions. Just love the theme of this episode is got to love those checks and balances. Got to love those checks and balances.
1: Yes. Congress tried to tie Johnson's hands with the Tenure of Office Bill. It was introduced in December 1866. The Constitution gave the president no express power to dismiss persons from office, but custom and logic had allowed it. The Republicans feared that by dismissal from office, Johnson would gain control of the entire executive division of the government at a time of crisis. The bill proposed that all officers appointed with the consent of the Senate could be removed only with the consent of the Senate except in the case of the cabinet officers. The house insisted on including cabinet officers. And finally the bill was passed proving that cabinet officers should hold their offices during the term of the president by whom they were appointed. And one month thereafter during that, I guess that's just to, to make a transition of power. Yeah. Um, a common sense kind of thing. Yeah. Um, during that time, they could be removed only with the consent of the Senate. This measure went to the president on the twentieth of February, together with the Reconstruction Bill, and was vetoed March second. The veto argued from statutes and uniform practice that Congress had no power to force the president to retain in office against his judgments subordinates whom he appointed. So you know Johnson's like, "Wait, you want to tell me I'm not a god king? I'm vetoing that shit." (laughs) You know. Oh. and I just, I mean, again, the theme of this episode is checks and balances, but I'm also starting to notice a lot of like procedural 10th dimensional chess. Did you catch how many like concessions were in that description of the oh, end of yeah. the Reconstruction Bill? Like, not oh, every yeah. individual state has to take the 14th Amendment, just three quarters, and you can't be disqualified from the Constitutional Council from being in the rebellion. But no, Senate. Good. No, that's you're what it said. That? Not exempt.
0: I thought it was the state could not be admitted until the, uh, Hold on, hold on, because this is. Relevant. But you do have to do so a state the, constitution that the Senate approves of. And that was not their check disqualified. To it. No, no, no. There, it I think it's a double negative. To escape mm. from this regime, there must be universal suffrage without regard to race or color, and the framing of a state constitution with a convention composed of delegates. Pause. That are not disqualified by participation in rebellion. So you ah. would be disqualified if you had participated in the rebellion.
1: Gotcha. OK, so
0: but it's, th- so but I, missed, still, I missed on that concession. concession. There is still concession there. But I, I think that yeah. one is important that if you if you actively did rebellion, you don't get to be in the constitutional convention. Yeah,
1: but the kind of I mean, again, on the veto, they met in the middle anyway, just to get it passed. Um, exactly. And so here it is like, you know, Johnson, we're going to send you a bill. Yes. You know, the president appoint. that was one of the concessions. The president appoints it instead of the Senate. But we've got to approve it before you, you decommission people. And Johnson's like, fuck that. I want to do whatever I want. I can fire uh, who I want to fire. Yeah. Johnson said with curious logic, whenever administration fails or seems to fail in securing any of the great ends for which Republican government is established, the proper course seems to be to renew the original spirit and forms of the Constitution itself. Who was to judge? Uh, who was the judge of the original spirit, Andrew Johnson, or the Congress, which is to yield? Congress must yield to one stubborn, narrow-minded man, or it was forced by the necessity of controlling the executive to adopt this <laughs> revolutionary measure. Oh, Sumner said in December eighteen sixty six, "It is possible that the president may be impeached." If we go forward and supersede the sham government set up in the rebel states, we encounter the appointing power of the president, who would put in office men who sympathize with them. It is this consideration which makes ardent representatives say that he must be removed. Should this be attempted, a new question would be repre- uh, will be presented. And that's true, right? Like, we're not we're not dealing with these stupid, you know, Confederate-like. Like slaveholder governments to, to restore their power, but every time we try to, to put you know our foot down on them, the president stands in our way. He's screwing it up. He's all buddy-buddy with him. I mean, we've been reading about yeah. that for a chapter and a half. Yep. Through fear of Johnson's actions, the 40th Congress assembled in special session immediately after adjournment of the 39th so that Congress was practically in continuous session. See, you don't have to go on a break. <laughs> and there was no... There was no interregnum during which Johnson could exercise his uncurbed power the new Congress immediately passed a supplementary reconstruction bill to implement the main measure. The bill laid down a plan of registration for all male citizens, 21 years of age and over who could take the oath of loyalty and made it the duty of the commanding generals to order elections and choose delegates for constitutional conventions. If the voters favored such conventions, the constitutions were to be formed and if adopted transmitted to Congress, the whole machinery of elections was placed in the hands of the commanding generals. The veto of the supplemental bill came immediately. Jeez. Johnson is just sitting there <laughs> vetoing everything. I'm not even sure he's reading it. He's like, who, <laughs> who said this here? Congress? Yeah, the no, fuck, up. that's vetoed. Throw yep. it up. <laughs> it's, it's done. Uh, The president, in effect, declared that the rights of the masses of black labor to political power was an untried experiment which threatened the whites with even worse wrongs than disenfranchisement for attempted rebellion and made their condition the most deplorable which any people can be reduced. And this from the lifelong man of the people and champion of the rights of the poor. Nothing. And again, (laughs) there's America in a nutshell, right? We're not taking anything away from poor whites, but – Black people being recognized as human beings—how yeah. that that makes life worse for white people than anyone could have ever imagined. That's we can't do that.
0: The, it's, um, it, the little, the little.
1: Yeah, uh, it was bad enough when Johnson confined himself to speeches, as at Antietam. Ant- Antietam, thank you. But when he came to action, Congress was further aroused. First June 20th he issued liberal instructions concerning the loyal oath of the on, and the duty of the commanding generals he decided on advice of his attorney general stanberry that those taking the oath of loyalty were judges of their own honesty and could not be questioned by the board of registration mm. <laughs> jesus christ
0: <laughs> it's on their own recognizance come on they're That's good right. guys it's, right they yeah you know I, hey
1: sir are you telling the truth good enough for me uh, <laughs>
0: This is very much back to the ten percent
1: plan right. of. All right, That's are y'all on right. board? That-
0: no, eh, whatever.
1: <laughs> we we call that we call that the internal investigation standard right there. <laughs> uh, that actual disenfranchisement for rebellion could only be made with a valid by law or court decision. Disloyal sentiments alone did not involve disenfranchisement. Moreover, in appointing generals, Johnson evidently proposed to appoint, as far as possible, generals who were sympathetic with the South. In July, he removed Sheridan from Louisiana and Texas and appointed First General Thomas, a Virginia Democrat, in his place. And finally, General Hancock, a loyal follower of Johnson. The removal of Sheridan caused great excitement. The Loyal Legion held a great meeting asking for the immediate summoning of Congress and the deposition of the president. He replaced General Sickles in the Carolinas with General Canby. Sheridan and Sickles were given posts in the North. These instructions were published June 20th, and Congress replied by the Act of July nineteenth, 1867. This act specifically included Virginia, North Carolina, Louisiana, and Arkansas in the states to be reconstructed. It provided that all the so-called governments in the South should be subject to the orders of the district commanders of the general of the army and not the president. The bill made the boards of registration judges, in fact, in regards to persons seeking to, to take the oath of loyalty and extended the time limit for the registration of voters. So, again, Johnson did this bullshit and they went, you know what? Fuck this. We're writing a new no. bill. Congress appoints <laughs> everyone. Those border states, that they, they were in the South, too. Fuck them. They get generals, too. We're fixing it. We're done. We're done right yeah this bill passed the house july 13th and was vetoed july 19th none of this is a surprise
0: (laughs) john johnson yeah you might as well just say this bill was vetoed on like just the same day like this bill was passed it was also vetoed right like the six-day delay is the
1: person carrying the letter from congress to the (laughs) white house
0: gets lost got drunk made his way home That's
1: that's how long Johnson's hangover was. (laughs) Johnson protested against the attempt of the federal government to carry on state governments, and especially against the invasion of the constitutional powers of the president. His words were How
0: dare they! Yes, his words were bitter and
1: entering a Johnson quote. So hold on tight, guys. Whilst I hold the chief executive authority of the United States, whilst the obligation rests upon me to see that all laws are faithfully executed, I can never willingly surrender that trust of the powers given for its execution. I can never give my assent to be made responsible for the faithful execution of laws and at the same time surrender that trust and the powers which accompany it to any other executive officer high or low, or to any number of executive officers. The bill was passed over the veto by both houses by overwhelming majorities <laughs> and talk of impeachment
0: started anew. <laughs> Dunk and moving back on. That's right. Oh,
1: that was wonderful. Thank you,
0: Bois. (laughs) Yes. The discussion which has raged around the Reconstruction legislation is the same metaphysical stripe of characterizing all fetish worship of the Constitution. Oh, we're back to this. Good. Oh, no. If one means by constitutional, something provided for in that instrument or foreseen by its authors or reasonably implicit in the words, then the Reconstruction Acts were undoubtedly unconstitutional. And so, for that matter, was the Civil War... (laughs) (laughs) In fact, the main measures of government during 1861 to 1870 were unconstitutional. The only action possibly contemplated by the authors of the Constitution was secession. That action, the Constitutional Fathers feared and depreciated, but their instrument did not forbid it and distinctly implied the legality of a state withdrawing from the more perfect union. Certainly, no one could argue that the founders contemplated civil war to preserve the Union or that the Constitution was a pro-slavery document. Yet, unconstitutionally, the South made it a pro-slavery document, and unconstitutionally, the North prevented the destruction of the Union on account of slavery. And after the war, revolutionary measures rebuilt what revolution had disrupted and formed a new United States on a basis broader than the old Constitution and different from its original conception. And why not? No more idiotic program could be laid down than to require a people to follow a written rule of government 90 years old if that rule (laughs) had been definitely broken in order to preserve the unity of the government and to destroy an economic anachronism. In such a crisis, legalists may insist that the consistency with precedent is more important than firm and far-sighted rebuilding. But manifestly, it is not. Rule-following legal precedents and political consistency are not more important than right, justice, and plain common sense. Preach! Through the cobwebs of such political subtlety, Stevens crashed and said that military rule must continue in the South until order was restored and democracy established, and that the political power built on slavery smashed. Further than this, both he and Sumner knew that land and education for blacks and white labor was necessary. On the first day of the second session of the 39th Congress, Sumner was on hand and with his bill for establishing universal suffrage in the District of Columbia. He had accepted a place on the committee of the District of Columbia in addition to his other duties to secure Negro suffrage. The committee reported a bill in December 1866, reading and writing as a qualification was moved as an amendment, but was rejected by a vote of 15 to 19. Sumner voted no. The bill did not reach a final vote, but came up again December 10th, 1867, when it passed after four days debate by a vote of 32 to 13. The next day it passed the House and went to the president. Johnson and Seward, I hate how tight of the hip they are, in the veto kept hammering at the old thesis. Northern states will not allow Negro suffrage to be forced upon them against their will. The Negro population of the district has recently been greatly increased by migration. Their rights can be protected in the district without the right of suffrage, which makes absolutely no sense, just as much as in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Indiana, which refuses Negroes the right to vote. Because of slavery, the Negro is not as well fitted to vote as the intelligent foreigner. <sighs> because of the thing we imposed and that we are responsible for, you don't get to vote. I couldn't hear what you yeah. Said. Shut up, Siri. And five year, you got five years residence and a knowledge of our government are required of the latter. It's almost like the other people had lived here longer than five years because, you know, they were held here as slaves. <laughs> the bill was repassed over the president's veto January 7th. And after it came the first proposal to impeach the president, A great step along the path to universal suffrage without color distinctions has just been taken in the House of Representatives. In its session of the 18th, the bill giving the right to vote to the blacks of the District of Columbia passed with a majority of 114 to 54. An anxious crowd of whites and blacks mixed filled the galleries of the House and all the approaches to the Capitol, and the passage of the bill was hailed with a great outburst of frenzied applause. Three days after the 40th Congress opened, Sumner offered a series of resolutions to provide homes and schools for freedmen. This supplemented the Freedmen's Bureau law and provided a permanent policy of national aid to, ed- to education and economic redress of the robbery of slavery. The resolutions did not come to a vote. Sumner then tried to amend the Reconstruction Acts of March 2nd, 22nd and July 19th by provisions for free schools in the South without discrimination to ra- as to race. A tie vote defeated this effort, although a majority of the Republicans stood by him. He tried again and failed July 11th and July 13th. His disappointment at his failure in 1867 to secure schools and homes for the freedmen was so keen that he left the Senate chamber and when he reached his house, his grief found vent in tears. Charles Sumner, frustrated in these demands, continued to direct the line of attack in which he had initiated during the Civil War. He had in mind relief for free Negroes in the North as well as freedmen in the South, and he was determined that petty race prejudice in the North should not escape attention because the fight against slavery and its aftermath in the South. Early in the spring of 1867, March 11th, Stevens introduced a set of resolutions for the enforcement of the Confiscation Act of July 17th, 1862, with preamble as follows. Whereas it is due to justice as an example to future times that some proper pain should be inflicted on the people who constituted the Confederate States of America, both because they declared an unjust war against the United States for the purpose of destroying Republican liberty and permanently establishing slavery, as well as for the cruel and barbarous manner in which they conducted said war in violation of all the rules of civilized warfare, and also to compel them to make compensation for the damage and expense caused by said war. Therefore, be it enacted that all public lands belonging to the, 10 states that form the so-called Confederate States of America shall be forfeited by said states and become vested forthwith in the United States. Proto Mugabe is back. The measure further provided as follows. Section 2, that the president should proceed at once to condemn the property forfeited under the aforesaid act of July 17, 1862. Section 3, that a commission of appraisers be appointed to appraise said property. Section 4, that the land so seized and condemned should be distributed among the slaves who had made free by the war and constitutional amendments and who were residing on said land on the 4th of March, 1861 or since. To each head of a family, 40 acres. To each adult male, whether head or family or not, forty acres. Acres to each widow head of a family, 40 acres, to be held by them in fee simple, but to be inalienable for 10 years after they become so seized thereof. Section 5 provided for the raising of the sum of $50 for each homesteader to be used for the erection of a building on his homestead and that the further sum of $500 million be raised for the purpose of pensioning the veterans of the Union Army. The bill contained several other sections dealing with the subject in connection with the main feature as above set forth. Stevens called upon this measure for consideration by the House on March 19th when he made one of his characteristic speeches, brilliant and pungent. Age seems never to have had any effect upon his mental vigor nor any tendency to modify his sharp invectives, said he. I am about to discuss the question of pain of belligerent traitors. The pain (laughs) of traitors has been wholly ignored by a treacherous executive and a sluggish Congress. I wish to make an issue before the American people and see whether they will sanction the perfect impunity of a murderous, belligerent, and consent that loyal men of the nation who have been despoiled of their property shall remain without remuneration, either by rebel property or the property of the nation. To this issue, I desire to devote the small remainder of my life. No committee or party is responsible for this bill. Whatever merit it possesses is due to Andrew Johnson and myself. And that seems like a pretty apt place to yeah. <laughs> pause. Yeah, no, we off. have
1: we we have Sumner and and Stevens like flying high. You know, we'll Ready? we'll end this on a on a good note.
0: And we have Andrew Johnson and. Uh and the Thad Daddy getting ready to face off um, yeah, in a very, very tense battle. Um, because, again, we know the <laughs> house is the one that brings impeachment. We've learned that much, at least over the last four years. So if anyone's going to start this, it's going to be Sumner. And, oh, buddy, I have a feeling it's coming. Um, I, I really
1: appreciate Du Bois leaving us this incredible cliffhanger, like like he was writing just the perfect entertainment fiction show, except it's real. It's history.
0: Good job, yeah. Dr. Du Bois. W B Du Bois, a, a brilliant writer. Brilliant let it be writer. said. Yes. Let uh, it that not go s- unsaid. That being said, uh, the, your not-so-brilliant readers of his work have been Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, there are a number of different ways that you can interact with us on the interwebs. You can send us an email uh, at marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter is at Madness Pod. Uh, you can also join our Discord server uh, that we recently have taken ownership of from Dumb and Awful. Um, they are still there. It is still the old Dumb and Awful Discord server that we've had forever, um, but now there, our name's there on was a There was a peaceful transfer of power, which means there, there was a, a transfer peaceful transfer of power. Transfer but of power. Yes, exactly. <laughs> same Discord, new 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 coat of paint, same great people, same great community. Um, good place to come hang out and chill and just relax if you want to just talk with like-minded people and, and just have a place to 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 vent and have some community in these in these fun times we live in um that being said we disclaimed you last week so we don't have to disclaim you again um uh david anything else for for the for the good people
1: no i think we've blathered on enough
0: ah and with that we will end the blathering so this has been mark's madness pod my name is nathan my name's david and we will talk to you all next week bye